What's up, fam? Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Before we get into this really crucial interview with Drex, just want to come on here and say something to you while I have your attention. And all I really want to say is I'm really excited to do more interviews and pump out more content for you this year and to let you know that for all of these interviews, there's actually a video component of them on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash the Bruce Allen. Uh, I do it all under there. And yeah, there'll be a lot of snippets I start taking out out of these things because there's a lot of gems hidden in these podcasts, but sometimes they just get buried in there. So I'm going to start taking snippets and doing little funny things like that. But besides that, Still looking for a sponsor if you're interested. Uh, I'm not going to do anything that doesn't make sense with my brand or anything that would be annoying. But if it's somewhat decent and you want to be uh, a sponsor of the podcast, just please reach out, thebruceallen at gmail.com. All right, guys, let's get right into the interview with Drex. Uh, this guy is a legend in his respective scene, an internet marketing guru, whiz guy, right? And just an overall just good dude. Uh, I can't wait for you guys to listen to this. We have great conversation. Um, yeah, super excited. All right, guys, enjoy. <laughs> this is going to be back recording another podcast. Word. Yeah, man. Pop the LaCroix on a little bit. G- the- give everyone a little ASMR action. Silent the phone like a proper host should. <laughs> Dude, you were, um, you were an audio engineer too? Uh, I was an audio engineer in like my early mid twenties. Yeah, dude, no shit. That's that was literally like my first profession out of college. No kidding. Yeah. Oh wow. That's how I learned how to rig up all this stuff. Oh yeah. I mean, that well, makes I, sense. I met the microphones and like the whole like interface and all that stuff. Right. Totally the digital audio interface and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Most people don't get it. And yeah, the, yeah. And then people wonder why the podcast sounds so good. I'm like, I, well, I'm like that's I'm like that's engineering. So I actually like uh, I, I went and uh, checked out a couple of your interviews this morning before I came in and everything just to like kind of make sure I understood the format and everything. Yeah. And the first thing that jumped out to me was. Oh, he knows how to compress audio. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know exactly what I was talking about. I know exactly what you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, uh, the fact that you even picked up on that. Like, <laughs> I've got like 10 plugins going. I've got like a mm-hmm. imager, dynamics, I got a gate, totally. got a compressor. Mm-hmm. And I, then I, but with the secret sauce is like I use all the old plugins that I used to have from all my mixing days. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, so so I, I have all that little secret sauce. And I'm nice. like, man, I'm like, that stuff really took it to the next level. Yeah, no, the, the audio sounds incredibly sweet on it. You're doing a great job there. Yeah, I think, man. I had, yeah. to, had to lower the gate a little bit just mm-hmm. because it was cutting off too tight. Yeah. And so it sort of, so it made, kind of made, things sound weird when I was talking. Yeah. yeah it I made me that. sound like, yep. Yep. Bah, bah. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I don't sound like that. Do I? Yeah. And literally everyone here has no idea what we're talking about. That's okay. There, yeah. there, there's plenty of ways you can learn. And in the meantime, just like listen in and, uh, and, and you'll be able to pick up the beauty of it. Hopefully. Yeah. We're talking about audio engineering and that is what mm-hmm. makes this podcast sound so good right now in the car or in your headphones. Absolutely. Like if you were to listen to this without anything on it, it would mm-hmm. be in one ear right? and it would be really quiet. Yeah. But because all the secret sauce that I know how to do, you know, it's like the voice, my, my, my voice is like God's it it breath. Buttery smooth to oh. your inner ear. Yes. Beautiful. But guys, uh, welcome back to That's the Angle today. I am joined with Drex or Drex Factor, as you might know him. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you already know about him, because if you know about him, then he's a big deal. But if you don't know about him, <laughs> you should know about him. We're going to learn about him. Word. Yeah. So... I actually want to talk about the story of how I met you. Okay, I yeah, feel like absolutely. that would be a really interesting sort yeah. of segue into this whole thing. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so literally at this coffee shop right over here, I like end up like picking up this hippie chick whose name I'm not going to say. I just don't know if she want to be. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and she was super cool. We ended up coming back to the studio, drinking some wine, taking some photos. And then she was like, hey, do you want to come to a burn tonight? And I was like, and I, I had just met this girl. Like, mm-hmm. I met her like a few hours later. And, I, and she was like, do you want to come to a burn? And I was like, what the hell's a burn? She was like, uh, it's where we go and we spin fire. And I'm like, hell yes, I want to go. It's hot. It's hot. Hippie chick is asking me if I want to go to a burn. I'm like, that sounds yeah. sweet, you know? Mm-hmm. So I brought my camera with me thinking it'd be some kind of fun opportunity. I had no expectations. Like I was honestly like a little like sketched out. She's, texting, <laughs> she's taking me out to Maryland, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. to go burn at someone's house. What the fuck does that mean? These going to be like a bunch of druggies and all this stuff. I was just so just not expecting much. But yeah, and so we ended up at this house, mm-hmm. uh, and it just seemed like a normal suburban house. Everyone was super cool, not druggies, just normal fucking people who love to well normalish. <laughs> yeah, normalish who, who love to spin fire and points stuff like that. Right. But when I was there, it, it was like there was this like feeling of celebrity there. Someone named Drex. <laughs> it, it was like I'm not. I, I cannot make this shit up. She was like. She was like. She was like. Drex is gonna be there. I was like. I was like. I was like first of all, it's a cool name. And I was like. Second of all, <laughs> who the fuck is Drex? And she's like. She's like. He's like this super dope boy spinner. And I was oh like. God. I was like. Drex. Like what the hell? I was like. And so I was there. And then you showed up. And then I swear to God, everyone was like, Oh my God, like he's here. And I was just like. And I was like, What am I missing here? And then apparently, what I'm missing too. I didn't yeah. know that's what they say about me when I'm not around. Dude, yeah, you're you're like uh, you're like a legend or something and so mm-hmm. then I ended up meeting you and we just ended up talking like about like online marketing stuff and you're like a super yeah. cool guy so totally no it, and it was funny for me because um you know like we said in that conversation neither one of us encounter very many people who are kind of in that internet entrepreneur kind of mm-hmm. life and just being able to talk to somebody who like number one understood the lingo and kind of understood the culture there and everything I wasn't expecting to find that at that party either yeah it's really rare to find people who get those sorts of those sorts of things absolutely yeah I mean, that was a great conversation. I definitely want to get into that at some point mm-hmm. in this interview because I definitely, I'm sure that things have changed since then. I mean, that was like, yeah, it was almost yes. a year ago, so it's... Yeah. Oh, my God. Was it that long ago? Yeah, man. Damn, time flies. It doesn't it? Yeah. But I think we need to talk about exactly just what you do so people sure. know that way it, it all makes sense. Absolutely. So... Um, so... Yeah, yeah, you just introduce it. I don't want to do it. Like, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I don't want to botch it. I don't want to botch it up. No, no, no. no. I, I mean, I, I think your perception is going to be pretty pretty dead on, at least if I have done my work right in okay. creating my branding, then... Okay, how about I say it and then you fill in the hole? Sweet. Cool. How about Perfect. that, right? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. That could be going... All right, so, so Drex is a professional poi instructor. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know what poi is, it is... Um, I don't want to diminish it, but it is uh, light spinning. So light up, so it's spinning balls on string. Yes, that you maneuver in very amazing ways. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's 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 very good. Yeah, um, so to like add a little bit of of nuance on that and everything. Um, so uh, poi spinning is a very very uh, old juggling art. We get the name from uh, the Maori people of New Zealand. Really? Uh, yeah, uh, poi dance is a form of uh, haka, uh, the ceremonial dances that the Maori perform. Um, and depending upon the source that you look at, it's either a ceremonial dance that only women did, or sometimes people say that men did it as well. But, but it, you're right; it's it's balls on the ends of strings and everything. But theirs were on fire. No, they no. really. So um, yeah, again, adding some nuance to this and everything. But um, uh, no, originally they just had like uh, uh, ropes made out of like reeds and everything, and they'd have like uh, a little ball. I, I don't actually know what they put inside of it, but mm-hmm. they, they never lit it on fire. So not on fire. Not on fire. On, they were not burning. They were not burning. Okay. Um, no, um, fire dancing doesn't actually show up in history until the 1950s. Whoa. And, 
it, it when when I explain this, it's going to make perfect sense because yeah, yeah. like this is cool. You, you know, you think about the things that you need for fire dancing, which you know you need the fuels, which are basically uh, petrochemical derivatives white gas, lamp oil, things like that. Uh, and of course you need a wick that's gonna hold on to it. You need something that's going to like be able to handle that heat and be able to be reusable and everything, right? So what we currently use for that is Kevlar. And what they originally used for that back in the 1950s and 60s um, was, um, oh God, the name's escaping me. Starts with an A, gives you uh, lung cancer, um, asbestos. Uh, see, see, that whole part is the part that was really threw me off at the burn was the whole <laughs> dunking of the yeah. the burning things of, or I guess Kevlar yeah. into mm-hmm. the white gas like yeah. I was like what the hell is going on here like magic that, now I was like I was like this makes no sense but then mm-hmm. it light on fire and just gets going but that was like the, the craziest part to me it's basically just like a sponge of flammable chemicals <laughs> Which you spin around your body because that makes sense. Yeah, right. Uh, um, yeah, so like all of the ingredients necessary to dance with fire are products of the industrial age. So oh. we couldn't actually do it until the modern era. So they couldn't do it back in the day, like the, like I guess the Polynesian culture you said, right? Right, yeah. Um, because they couldn't hold a, they maybe couldn't figure out how to hold a flame onto they, a piece of something or something. Like, well, they didn't have any materials that would soak up the fuel and be able to be reusable uh, after multiple oh, burns. Okay, because I mean, I, fire destroys things. Yeah. So you need something that is uh, that's that's pretty durable to to put up with uh, with the kind of heat and chemical reactions and everything. And yeah, Kevlar is what we use nowadays. Nice. So when so when you're spinning, do you think about Polynesian cultures, or is that just like some background? Uh, I, not really. I mean, um, you know, poi has evolved so much uh, in the past few decades. Um, I, I think. To be honest with you, about all we still have in common with uh, the Maori tradition is the name. Um, okay. They, whoop, Sorry. Oh, no worries. Um, the way that they do poi looks very, very different from what you saw at that party. What we do now is more about like kind of creating geometric shapes and um, kind of flowing between different tricks and everything. And as I understand it, the Maori tradition is more about there's like each trick basically has a storytelling role. And so oh. putting them together is in essence like retelling uh, Polynesian myths and the like. So. so they were telling stories. You're just trying to trip people out. Exactly. I noticed that along the whole time I did not say anything about EDM. <laughs> no. Was that um, on purpose? Uh, not deliberately, no. But now that you mention it, um, no, I, I think I'm the one and only person in fire dancing culture that is not a big fan of EDM. Yeah, so. that's the craziest thing about you yeah. is, that, is that you do something that's so EDM connected, at least in modern I know. thoughts. And I know. You, you don't you don't really like EDM. I don't really like EDM. I remember you doing a, a, a rant or a post about it. A, a vlog on it, yeah. And which, that was great. Yeah, it, yeah. It, you, you were the reason that that happened, actually. Yeah. Um, we, we, uh, we had, like, I think it was a FaceTime call, wasn't it, where we were just yeah, kind we of, were, like, shooting the shit and catching up and everything. Yeah, yeah. And we were kind of, like, you know, critiquing each other's social media presence and everything. And I remember you had, like, these two big bullet points that you had for me, which, you know, one was, you know, your music sucks. You need better music. <laughs> yeah, and that was an obvious one. Yeah, definitely, which I've, I've been doing better on Hell that. yeah, man. Um, and the other one was, uh, you know, that you suggested that I have some more personal content on there. And I talk about some things that were, like, important to me or just going through my head and everything. And at some other point in that conversation, it had come up that I didn't like EDM. And, and like, immediately after we got off that FaceTime call, I'm like... All right, I know what the first vlog is going to be about now. <laughs> um, no, I, I mean, 
we, we, you know, we were talking a little earlier about the fact that we both have like a background in audio engineering and everything. I got into it, um, through like playing music. Um, I play, uh, four instruments and Whoa. I used to play in a bunch of bands and everything. What were they? What'd you play? Uh, bass, guitar, drums, I sing, and, uh, I, I can't read sheet music, but I can, I can hold my own on a piano. Dude. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I love live instruments so incredibly much. And I know that there's some EDM groups that do incorporate that and everything, mm -hmm. but like I, I can hear the mechanical nature of, of the music in such a way that like, it just doesn't grab me the same way as like, you know, a real human drummer and a real human bassist playing off of each other and finding a groove and everything. And there's, there's just something about that that just feels so organic and it feels natural like yeah. it, it feels it feels <laughs> like the the wind blowing or like an ocean totally you know coming in it's it's this weird intangible thing that's not perfect yeah it's it's even though they try to be you always want to be perfectly exactly. in sync but exactly. it, it's never true and there's always yes. sort of little off timings and swings to it yep. and stuff like that that are things you don't get in edm totally, totally. At, at least for the most part yeah i mean and i know that there are people that can like program drums like that but it, in the back of my head i'm just always like okay you went through all of this effort to program these drums to sound like it was a human being doing this. Why didn't you just get a human being to do this, you know? Well, I think it's the sounds of the drums. But, I mean, you can use electronic kits and stick whatever triggers you want on them. Ah, oh, that's true. I was like, I was like, is he going to bring that one up? <laughs> but, but I've been in this but, a while. But, but, but on that one... Mm -hmm. Then, then the rest of the song, you know, it'd, it'd be weird to have this this drum that like is irregular sometimes. But then yeah. your piano, your bass, your chords, yeah. your vocal symbols are all perfectly in time. Yeah, and so then it has like this stiff song feeling, and then but these loose drums. I feel like it might be kind of a weird clash. No. Yeah, definitely. And uh, you know, there are definitely some groups that I've, I've really gotten into. Like uh, the XX is great at this, mm -hmm. where they kind of like have the electronic drum track behind it, but. Um, the thing that I first fell in love with with that band is like I could hear that it was a live bassist playing against it. Like I could hear oh. the kind of like fumbling of his fingers on the strings and everything. I'm like, wait, is that what I think it is? Mm -hmm. And even just like that little dose of human imperfection was enough to to get me on board. Yeah. Ah, uh, you just don't like how how just quantized. Yeah. And quantization, people don't know, quantization is in your computer. You can literally make your the notes right. perfectly on beat, so it sounds like a robot is hitting it perfectly. Totally. And that. And I, I don't know if you saw this or not, but um, uh, Nam 2019 is in the process of wrapping up, and they just announced that MIDI 2.0 is getting released this year. What does that mean? So MIDI is no, no. I know MIDI is, but what does that mean for the whole community oh, of audio and stuff like that? Um, in, it in means that the ability to make electronic music is about to get a lot more detailed. Um, that there's about to be um, the one thing that I'm seeing the most press about, and God, it would literally. I'm, I'm going to do my best to do the short version of this because yeah, yeah, I have no idea. Yeah, fill me in. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, so uh, velocity is one of those things that oh, traditionally that's... MIDI doesn't have that much detail on, yeah. and they're upgrading it to like 16-bit at this point. So you wind up with something like 8 billion possibilities for how you can handle the velocity of notes now. Which, no shit. Yeah, which which I think is actually more than a human being can Because do. velocity was something you'd have to draw in. Am I wrong? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I remember when I produced velocity was, that's how you'd get like that right, exactly. on the hi-hat because you put one loud, one softer, one loud, one softer. But now you can literally sit there on your pad and go. Right. 
and this is going to get like really deep into the weeds for a second, but, um, you know, just if if you played around with like post-production and animation and everything, you know how, you know, you want to have your ease in and ease out and like your curves and everything on, on graphics and everything. Yeah. I think the idea is they're trying to get that to happen in more detail with no velocity. Mm, what do you mean like what do you mean the ins and outs and stuff like that um so rather than like just kind of like uh, having a more binary kind of like on off and everything and that's an oversimplification of what's going on there oh okay but have it be like more curved you know that you can kind of sweep up into it and out again oh wow dude that's amazing yeah 2.0 yeah holy about time i know it's god what has it been 35 years since they released MIDI Mm -hmm. 1.0 like that's a really really long chunk of time yeah yeah. yeah. You know a lot about a genre you hate. <laughs> I mean, I, I I recorded music for a long time, and it's one of the, it, it helps to know MIDI, even if you're you not going to be, MIDI. you know, using a lot of electronic instruments. But yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of unavoidable. Dude, that's epic. I'm really excited about that. Holy shit. Yeah. Before you said that, I had some on my mind, but I was just like, oh no, I want to hear about this new MIDI <laughs> thing. Because any developments in that, and I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, no, me too. Well, yeah. it, again, just because... I didn't even know that they had never gotten to a version 2.0 of that. Like, Dude, MIDI sucked. <laughs> MIDI sucks. I can't believe those people actually make songs just by drawing in notes. I know. That's I know. insane. And yet at the same time, like it's, it's kind of cool because, you know, you jump back a couple hundred years in music and, you know, you had to have it all in your head. And the only way you were ever going to hear it is if, you know, you got a two dozen uh, musicians together to play it for you and everything. And it's, Oh, that's crazy. Right. Yeah. yeah like that, imagine that feeling. Oh, I want to, I have this piece in my head. Right. Let me hire 12 orchestra players. Exactly. Exactly. So you, you imagine like, you know, the Baroque and classical and romantic composers, like trying to put together their symphonies inside of their head and everything. And just, having the faith that it was all going to line up properly and do exactly what they were hoping for and everything. Do you imagine them with the tools we have now? Oh how God. much more music, how much better it would be? Oh, yeah. Like, and imagine, if Beethoven, imagine if be. Beethoven was a dubstep producer. We just never knew. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, Are you sure he wasn't? <laughs> we probably have some modern <laughs> bum, Beethoven. Bum, bum, bum. Dude, have you heard of Virtual Riot? No, no. It's Holy not. shit. <clears throat> this guy is a producer. He's like the god mm-hmm. of MIDI. Oh. Like, I randomly watched this video where it was like four producers flipped the same sample and it was like a random piano bar. Interesting. And he made this amazing electronic track. And I got into huh. his music and I was like, like he was so good that when, what they do is they all flip the sample. Then all four producers listen to each other's samples. They don't rate who's was best, but they right, just kind of right. listen to it. Mm-hmm. But you could just tell, like I've never seen this look on someone else's <laughs> face, but when one of the producers heard his track, yeah. she had that look in her face. Like I want to quit. <laughs> like, like i'm not lying like he, he's that yeah. good that like even mm-hmm. when i heard it i was like i'm glad i quit music <laughs> like yeah. it was that good so when i saw her face she was like she, she literally had a face of like i will never be able to do this like yeah. it was that insane yeah but but anyways back to your hate of edm I, it's it's not so much a hate as it is like a mild loathing and disinterest <laughs> mm. so but um. so that's not what got you into poisoning no no it, it's it, not. it wasn't it wasn't like rolling at concerts and then someone spin poi in your face and you're like my life has changed i I have never been to an edm festival never once um that is crazy i know um no it it came from going to burning man uh back in i think 2006 would have been my first year Mm -hmm. and um no i had a friend from college that was going every year and um like every year like clockwork she'd be just be like you know hey every year you're gonna come to burning man this year you're gonna come to burning man this year and I would always kind of be like, yeah, you know, sure, whatever. And then, you know, just kind of, you know, wave it off and everything. And then um, 
<laughs> so we, we, we had this other mutual friend, um, and, uh, I love this man to death. He, uh, he and I actually still get together every time I go back to mm -hmm. Colorado where I grew up and, you know, we, we oh, get nice. together and catch up and everything. Um, and he is also like one of the squarest human beings that I know. <laughs> no, and, and in a good way. You yeah, know? He, everyone, everyone has his friends. Yeah, know. exactly. And so he decided this one year that he was going to Burning Man and I'm like, oh, I've got to see this. <laughs> Um, and just to, you know, kind of date me on this and everything, um, I got my ticket five days before the event. Is that even possible these days? No, no, it's not. If you don't, if you don't have your ticket by like, you know, probably February or March, then you're, yeah, you can't even get in. Exactly. That yeah. was before Burning Man was cool. I, I guess. I mean, I don't, I, I don't know when it was cool. I don't know when it, yeah, I guess. Well, I, I think it, it was, was cool, cool the year before I went. Definitely. I think it was cool when it, when it got into the Renwick gallery. Yes. Oh my God. Jesus. Yeah. I, I, I'm that, that exhibit was, it was fantastic. Uh, they've, they've still got the uh, temple up in there. They're, yeah. That's crazy. Everyone's like drawing on it and yeah. looking pictures of their dead friends and stuff on the, on the altars. I was like, Whoa, this is real. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, um, uh, my grandmother passed away last year and I actually left a tribute to her in there because I didn't go to Burning Man this past year. But uh, uh, It means that much to you? Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, Burning Man, very, very. That's a, that's like a religious. That's like a religious Absolutely. sort of uh, notion of you know, it's yeah. a very Catholic or any religion. I guess does stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's just it. Is like I don't reject the idea of ritual and its power in our lives and everything. I I just don't think that there is a conscious entity that is like making the choices that make mm. the world work or anything like that. But I definitely think that having those rituals where you pay homage to the things that mean something to you and you create a space that's kind of inhabited by uh, the energy of a lot of people all doing it at the same time is a good thing. I think it's a very human thing. You're very analytical. I've noticed that. Yes. You're very <laughs> analytical. I'm surprised you're not a scientist. Um, there was a, th there was a close brush with that. Um, oh shit. It, it may not, well, both of my parents are scientists. What? Yeah. Well, okay, wait, wait, before we go there, yeah. go, bring me back to the burning bank story. Yeah, totally. I want to hear about this life changing experience. I'm so bad at tangents. So thank you for doing yeah. that. Um, yeah. So, um, went to burning man, uh, bought my ticket five days ahead of time and drove, I literally drove out 16 hours from Boulder, Colorado to, uh, to the playa with a guy that I had met like the day before. This is like as, as Burning Man a story as you get, you know? And we showed up there and everything. And I mean, number one, it, it was just such a beautiful place. I'd never seen art on the scale that they have really? uh, in Black Rock City before. Um, and um, it was also the first time that I'd ever seen fire dancing. Mm. Um, there was a spin jam, uh, basically like a whole bunch of people come together to, you know, hang out and spend fire and everything. It's what you saw at that party that, uh, yeah. that our friend took <clears throat> you to. And, um, like just seeing the kind of joy that people had there doing it really like made an impression on me. And I can still remember the person that, that like really made the sink in for me. She was a fire hooper. I'd never, I, I didn't even, in, in my mind, the geometry of like making a hula hoop work with fire just like didn't work for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I saw it actually happen. I'm like, Oh, I gotcha. Um, like there's, you know, you've seen it. They've got like little wicks on the ends of spokes that they connect to it and everything yeah. like a, like a bike wheel. And, um, you know, she, she was very clearly a beginner. She was just like trying to keep the hula hoop up around her waist, but oh my God, the smile on her face just like the sheer unmitigated joy. And that was like, that was what 
kind of drew me in. Well, so you could and, see that you were there, I guess. <clears throat> were you on drugs when you were watching this? I'm curious. No. <laughs> Damn. What the hell, man? Why are you doing a Burning Man? I know, right? So, so you like you just saw how elated all these people were spinning fire. Yeah, and like this woman in particular, just like seeing that joy just coming from the core of her, that gigantic smile on her face and everything. And that that's what kind of started me on that route. And then um and then on burn night, uh when they burn the titular man, um the opening act is what they call Fire Conclave. It's a bunch of fire performance troops from all over the world that audition to be a part of this event. Ah, okay. So that's what they were like. That was the thing at that burn that I met you at is they were talking about the Conclave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So our, our, our mutual friend, uh, <laughs> she's a part of the D.C. area Conclave that I helped mm. found. Um, and Conclave was what really did it for me is just like seeing all of these performances around the man is one of these sites that, I mean, that is a memory that I'm going to cherish from now until I reach my grave. Like, it was just one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in my I life. I think there needs to be, like, some description around the man. Like, so yeah. give me the, it's, it's, sure. it's, it's. So we've, we've got the man and. Which is. Uh, so it's about a 40 foot tall wooden effigy of a man that has neon lights on it and everything. And it's central to the event both literally and figuratively because that's the whole point of burning man is at the end of it they burn it right exactly and if you don't know that by now by from burning man then you're a retard (laughs) i'm sorry then you are just very unsmart excuse my vocab uh or lack of context yeah okay okay so 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 giant effigy of a dude yeah giant giant effigy of a man and i mean it's not like set in stone this means this or anything like that kind of people just kind of ascribe to it whatever meaning they want to and everything and um there's a circle perimeter around the man that goes out probably 100 120 feet and the last like 40 feet of that, they basically like have these different uh, pie slices that are divvied up between all these different performance groups. The conclaves. Yeah, exactly. And um, a half an hour before they're ready to start the man burning, they tell all of them to start at the same time. So you just see this massive fire show start oh. on the on the rim of this. And each conclave is like what, 10 to 15 people? Um, no. So the local area conclave is, is about 10 to 15 people, but traditionally they can be as many as 50. Whoa. So there's. So know. there's so much fire. So just. All the way around this thing, it all just lights yeah. up in the middle of the night. Yeah. Holy shit. For like a half an hour, they just put on the best show that they can for, and you know. Because they train for that. that that's, oh, yeah, that, that, yeah. Like, this is serious. Like, this isn't just like, okay, Conclave, come up, and they all just like start fumbling. Like, no, no, no they, they you, literally train you spend m- like for months. Five or six months writing your choreography oh to get God. out there and do this. It's, it is such an amazing spectacle. Um, and, uh, <laughs> Yeah, this this time I was on drugs though. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. About time. Yeah, right. Uh, no, and um, just like watching, the, watching the these performances <clears throat> around the man, it, it, it was finally like it, it, number one. It was just one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. And number two, it was finally like I'm going to learn how to do this. Dang, that was it. Yeah, um, which is very weird because I, I have never had that inclination. Well, not I, I had that inclination with music, but mm-hmm. it, I, there, I had, there haven't been that many things in my life that I've been like, oh, I'm going to do that now, you know? Um, and uh, after I got back from Burning Man, I went around to all my Colorado friends, and I'm just like, you know, hey, you know that thing with the fire at Burning Man? Do we know anybody that knows how to do that? Can, can, do we <laughs> know anybody who can teach me how to do that? And um, I did this for a few months, and finally there was a friend who was just like, what, you mean poi? And they literally could have said any word whatsoever. 
but it just was like, you know, okay, that sounds vaguely exotic. That's probably what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, I want to learn poi. Um, and that's how much of an accident it is that I got into this. Wow. Yeah. A burning man trip. Yeah. Into that. And so, so happy you started spinning poi. Like, I guess you poi. found out from that guy and you just looked it up. Like, how did you just, no, so how does this happen? What's the development here? Okay. So, the development is that, uh, so my, uh, Friend who said poi was like, yeah, uh, our friend, uh, he, he went by the name Salty. Um, That's an awesome name. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Not he, as cool as Drex, though. No, no. I, I, I lucked out there. That, yeah. That's for sure. Uh, ironically enough, the person who brought me to Burning Man is the one who gave me that nickname. Well, shit. Yeah. Two in one. Indeed. Branded you and changed your life. I know. Isn't it amazing? <laughs> <laughs> so um, I was told that Salty knew how to spin poi, and uh, I talked to him, and he was happy to teach me. And I showed up for my first lesson, and it was two hours of trying to teach me one trick, and I could not get it for the life of me. Oh, that pissed me off. And I, no, and I, I just gave up. I'm like, okay, this is this is for people who are more coordinated than me. And um, my roommate uh, at the time, he went to Thailand for Christmas, and when he came back, he'd gotten uh, a pair of fire poi to street market there. They actually <sighs> like coincidence, oh, right? These things are like total death traps. They're made from like sawed off electrical conduit and <laughs> from Thailand. Oh my god, this it, is not Kevlar. This is not Kevlar. No, 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 um, no. And and he like that was his Christmas present to me. He's like, hey, you wanted to learn this, right? And I'm like, yeah, okay. So. Um, yeah, so I, I started spinning them again because, I mean, it was really sweet of him and I would have felt bad if I hadn't at least given it another try. And uh, we found out that uh, there was a fire jam, a weekly spin jam that was happening just down the street from us uh, on the 16th Street Mall in, in Denver. And so I started going there every Sunday and I think it was really like the people and connecting with the people in the fire community mm -hmm. that really made it stick that time. All very nice people. Oh, they're amazing people. I I. I would really love to like do a deep dive on the psychology of this, of like the kind of people who are like so down for trying to whip a burning object around their body. <laughs> yeah. And there's just something about that that makes them incredibly sweet and incredibly welcoming and just like really awesome human beings, you know? Maybe it's kind of like how fighters are really nice people. Yeah. You know, it's like they take out that primal thing. Yeah. And that so then be. afterwards, it's just very peaceful and tranquil. That's Because spinning point, fire yeah. is badass. Like, I'm not yeah. going to lie. Seeing it in person and just seeing it on the internet are two different things. Oh, totally. Like, when I saw someone. The noise. The, <laughs> it's the noise. The. <laughs> yeah. Like, that is crazy. It sounds like you got a jet engine around you. Yeah. It's, 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 it's hypnotizing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and. You know, the first few times you do it and everything, the adrenaline rush that you get from it is just like, you know, you're shaking for, for quite a long time afterwards. Um, but uh, yeah, that, that's what finally made it stick for me. And I started, it, the, the, the people who were there were really awesome and everything, but there was only so much that they could teach me. Um, of course. And uh, right about this time, there's a gentleman from Canada, uh, Nick Woolsey, who started posting uh, poi tutorials on YouTube, which was relatively new at this time. Wow. And that's how I taught myself. Whoa. And after about a year of that, I started posting my own videos to YouTube and uh, kind of fell ass backwards into a career as a result of it. Yeah, I, I think that's the craziest part about it yeah. in, in the, the best way possible is that You've turned it into a career. Yeah, yeah, which that's that's not a common thing either. How did that conversation go with your two scientist parents? Uh, not that it not matters. Well. <laughs> like, like, like you need the approval, but of course you're going to tell them what you're doing, you know? Right. Um, I mean, so fire dancing now is my third creative career. Um, I started off as a comic book illustrator, and then I became a musician, and then now this. So I think on a certain level, 
they're kind of used to you doing creative things, me following creative things at the same time. That's not a thing they're like a hundred percent on board with. I mean, they understand that I'm passionate about it and everything, but I, I, I think they really wish that I'd gone for like a good government job or something it's, like it's that. So, it's like niche, niche. It is so niche. Because in that niche, you're a god. <laughs> I don't know about a god, but are you the biggest person in that niche? I think Nick is still is still probably he's the OG. He's the OG. Yeah, he he got there first. But um, have you met him? Yeah, yeah, I did. Oh, nice. I, I got to meet him a few years ago. The, like the one time that I went and traveled and taught in Canada, um, and it just by sheer random coincidence, he and I wound up at the same event, and uh, I actually got to interview him like this for like an hour. Wow. And uh, he and I sat down like over a couple lunches and everything, and just like had a huge deep dive with each other. And uh, it was really inspiring on on the one hand to kind of like because. As in, in similar to me, he had like kind of fallen into it accidentally. Like he, he, he is definitely the stereotype of kind of like the wandering hippie that just like <laughs> you know found it as he was traveling yeah, the world just and everything. Boy, dude, it's great, works out exactly. Yeah, um, and um, I, I, in a lot of respects, there was kind of like seeing reflections of some of the things that had happened to me because you know it was not his plan. This was not my plan originally. And, um, at the same time too, you know, there, there were some sad parts to that because he was really the trailblazer in a lot of respects. And, yeah. you know, he had to make a lot of mistakes along the way and learn from those mistakes. And sometimes that cost him a lot personally. And sometimes, you know, it, it was incredibly successful and he made, you know, some, some really incredible things happen. Um, and it, 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 it was both inspiring as well as one of those like, okay, so, you know, these are these are some things to kind of avoid and to think ahead on and everything. Um, but, but, I mean, but someone's got a pioneer. Someone's exactly. got someone had to play basketball with an actual wooden bucket for a hoop. You know, exactly. Before there was LeBron James, like so he had to do it. But it's like we can only be grateful and you know honor him whenever or, you know whenever you can. I guess. Absolutely. So shout out, shout uh, out to Nick Woolsey. Because, shout out to Nick Woolsey. Yeah, you're you're the reason that uh, that I got so into Poi. So how does it how does it go from posting videos on YouTube? to becoming a full-time career. Like that is what I want to know. Yeah. That is, that is the, that is the, the sauce. That is impressive, dude. It, so I remember like when I sorry, this is going to feel like it's a tangent, but it's not. Bear, bear with Let's me. Go there, yeah. okay, Let's go okay. there. Yeah. Let's go there. I remember when I was like deep into music and I really wanted to be a rock star and everything. And I really, um, you know, I would look at bands that I really respected and everything and just like think of it as there's this on off switch and there's like being unknown and then there's success and it's just like, boom, you know, like, like hot or cold. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, no middle, no middle. And, and nowadays looking back on it, it is definitely a thing of there, there's no on or off. There's this kind of like slow burn that happens for a while. And just all of a sudden you look around and everybody's telling you that you've made it. And it's like, Oh, when did that happen? You know? Oh, um, and so how this worked out for me was that I started posting these videos to YouTube. Um, and, uh, you know, again, it was kind of on a lark. I, it really, what it was is it was an excuse for me to practice. I figured oh, if, I, okay. if I, if I post a video every week and I like kind of make this a thing, I've <clears> got to have something new to show in those videos. So I've got to practice every week to make sure that I got something yeah, new to show. Yeah. Yeah. Held accountable by the video. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I actually like didn't do anything with those videos. I didn't tell anybody that I was making them. And there was another guy in the poi world who was really big at that time. Uh, hats off to Alien John. Shout um, out Alien John. Shout out to Alien John. 
And uh, at one point I, I had a conversation with him online because there was like a, a forum that he was on that he, he posted something I thought was really interesting. And we, we kind of struck up a conversation. And I don't think that I pointed into my videos. I think he might have just found them on his own. And no word, yeah, he was in that community. Yeah, exactly. And I literally just woke <laughs> up one day and all of a sudden like the hit counts had gone from like, you know, five to a hundred. And I'm like, what is going on here? And it turned out that what had happened is somebody on one of these forums had asked a question about one of the tricks that I was demoing in, in these videos. And he had posted the links on the forum to my videos. Oh, shit. Yeah. And so all of a sudden I had that was an the audience. Yeah. That was, that was the first time anybody was actually watching these things. And um, so, you know, I kept it up. And the, the, the kind of big aha moment for me happened probably a year after that. Um, I was traveling through Europe and I'd uh, gone to the regional burn there. It's called Nowhere. They have it in Spain. And the European Juggling Convention had happened uh, pretty close by. And so after the burn, I'm back in Barcelona hanging out and everything. And I've got some extra fuel that I want to burn off. And so I go down to the waterfront and I start spinning and everything. And there's a guy who passes me on a bicycle and is like, you know, people are doing that in the city center, right? I'm like, really? Can you take, can you take me there? And there were a whole bunch of people from the European Juggling Convention, including Alien John. And uh, again, no idea that either one of us was there. And we just, you know, caught up and shot the shit. And he taught me a bunch of the stuff that he had learned at, at the EJC. And when I came home, the first thing I did was I did a YouTube video showing off all that stuff and everything. And it dawned on me after that went live and people started watching it that the people who'd like made up these tricks and everything, at, at this time, video cameras were still not that terribly common. They, you couldn't get them in a smartphone or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So it was really rare that these people were actually posting content to the yeah, internet. So, yeah, I mean, at that point, posting YouTube content was mystifying. Exactly, exactly. How do I do it? How do I export? How do I, yeah. Totally. And I mean, I knew nothing about video editing. It was literally like I had a point and shoot camera that had a video function on it and I would sit it down and record myself for 10 minutes. And yeah, then, whatever it was, it didn't matter. Yeah, put that into uh, into iPhoto and then upload it straight to YouTube. No editing, no nothing. It yeah. was just as raw as you could get. Um, and it, there was like this moment where I realized these people don't really have the opportunity to put this information out there to others. You know, it might be like a year or two before they get, you know, access to a video camera or, mm. you know, they, they, they can do this in a more formalized fashion and everything. And I'm like, I'm getting to communicate this to a bigger audience. I'm there, there's tons of people out there that want to learn these things and they don't have access to these people in Europe who are not making these videos and everything. Yeah. Right? It's a lack of information. Lack exactly. Of content. Exactly. And, and I kind of had this moment where I'm like, Oh, I can turn this into doing a service for people. And so that's, that's what it turned into. Like I started posting tutorials of tricks that I already knew how to do and I kept, you know, doing a weekly video. But that first pop came from that video yes. from, 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 from Alien John. That was the aha moment. Oh, so Alien John, make the video, post mm -hmm. it on the forum. Yeah. Aha moment. Oh, no, this, this was later on after, after going to Barcelona. Which part? Uh, the the pop moment of I can do people a service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, cool. okay yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So the the aha moment on the audience was after Alien John posted the forum and the aha moment on I can turn this into a service for other people was after that trip to Barcelona. Oh, wow. Because you saw the lack in the market and the, the land exactly. grab. Exactly, So, I mean, I think that probably has a huge impact on your success now. Yes, Because you absolutely. did it while it was young, while it was hot. So in a lot mm -hmm. of ways, you're an OG, I guess, to people. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I, I mean... 
I, and when I see people talking about the people online who produce content and everything, I, I see my name popping up next to Nick's a lot. And I think in people's minds, we both kind of occupy a very similar position. And that's also when I finally knew that I had made it. It's yeah. like, oh, this, this guy was kind of my platonic ideal of what, you know, the, the, the top shelf flow artist looks like and everything. And if people are mentioning us in the same sentence, okay, that's probably a good sign. Yeah. So um, how many years have you been in the game now? I have been posting YouTube videos now for a little over 10 years. My 10-year wow. anniversary was in September. Holy shiz. Yeah, it's been a while. How many subs do you have? I'm just curious. I haven't looked. Uh, 43,000, I want to say. Wow. Yeah. That's insane. And 13,000 of those were just in 2018 alone. Wow. Yeah. I, that's crazy. Yeah. But what's nuts about that is that number seems low to today's standards. Yes. But you have a strong following. Yes. And not so much as a wide following. Right, right. Which is the beauty of niches. Exactly. And I mean, we, we are talking the niche of the niche here. So, um, I... I because I love numbers and I love analyzing things, um, I, I, I started doing benchmarking after a little while of myself and other uh, flow artists on YouTube and everything. And like right now, Nick's the only guy who's ahead of me in terms of in terms of subs and views. Now we finally get, get, get to get into it. You're a freaking ninja with online marketing and business <laughs> entrepreneurship, even more so than myself. <laughs> I mean, do you think without that, you wouldn't have been able to build such a business that you've built now? Oh, absolutely. I mean, like... Thinking of it in terms of data and like on, you know, if, if, if I'm going to try X, Y, and Z and seeing how I change these variables and what happens as a result, as, as a re uh, result of that. Yeah, no, that's, that is, that inconsistency, I think are the two cornerstones of the, the business and brand that I've been able to build for myself without a doubt. Well, I think consistency over time wins anyways. Oh yeah, absolutely. But, but you take it to the next level of making it like a job profitable mm -hmm. off of spinning point, which is nuts. Cause to tell someone that's your job, but then you say, wait a minute, no, 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 no. I make good money, bitch. Like, <laughs> you don't know. Well, I make survivable money. But yeah, yeah. But, but you still have to do something that you like and you've exactly. learned to do it. Mm -hmm. What, what is it that you do on the internet marketing side? That is, is there one thing that contributes to the most success? Cause you said you got 13,000 subs last year. That's huge, dude. Yeah. So last year, definitely my focus was on growing as much as I possibly could. And, um, I, I think like, just getting so deeply into the weeds in terms of like YouTube SEO and um, figuring out how to reach a wider audience mm -hmm. and popping up in search and everything. And also um, figuring out how to pop within the first 24 hours because that view velocity thing is so important. Really? Tell me about this. Sure. So um, so basically whenever you, you, you post a video to YouTube and everything, the YouTube algorithm is going to look through it and um, it's going to grab your title description and tags and based upon that, it's going to start putting you in search results. And it's also going to put you in, uh, you know, the home feeds of uh, people who are subscribed to you or maybe they've watched other videos that are similar and everything, right? And what they're looking for is they're looking for the rate of engagement, how many clicks you get off of popping, uh. right? And um, they want to see a certain level of engagement within those first 24 hours. And if they don't see it, then it's really hard to come back from that. Yeah, because be to, to them, they're saying that people want to look at it. Let me promote this. If exactly. not, then they go, it's like a yes or no, probably. Right, right, exactly. And oh. I, I first started learning SEO by thinking of it in terms of like the stuff that appears in the titles, tags and, and uh, description and everything, which is absolutely really important. But last year finally reinforced to me that like, Really, when you get down to it, the two most important variables for uh, getting your video to eyeballs are the thumbnail and the title. 
Like, really? Yeah, because you have to get that click right away. I mean, I kind of knew that, mm-hmm. and which is why clickbait exists. Exactly. But what, what was your so? What was your approach that changed it? What was the? Um, a, a few things. Um, so. One thing that really helped is I started using a service called Morning Fame. Um, oh yeah, you linked me with that. Yeah, yeah. My shit expired, so I had to stop using it. But it was great. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great service. And one of the things I really like about it is that it lets you do research on particular uh, search terms, and it will pop up all of the different videos that are associated with those search terms, and lets you take a look uh, a little bit under the hood to see like what are the other tags these things are popping on. Number one, we'll see what like the popular ones what they're doing exactly. And also, um, it, one thing that they do which is fantastic is you know when you're planning out everything around your keywords, it'll give you just the top six thumbnails that pop up oh, for that particular term. That's got to be super useful. Yeah, totally. actually, I remember that they would send me an email and they say these are the top thumbnails for your thing. Does, exactly. does yours stand out? And exactly. I, and I honestly thought it. It, but yeah. I, I could have been biased. Well, and, and part of it is standing out, but part of it is also realizing what people are clicking on already. You know, mm. there have been several videos that I've seen those thumbnails pop up, and it actually changed my approach to how I was going to do the thumbnail for a particular thing. Um, one example is kind of my default template for my thumbnails is I'll like you know have a waist up shot of me like demonstrating a trick and everything, and the title of it will be right next to me, right? And um, that's what you do now. Usually, yeah, and yeah. there are exceptions. And this is one of those examples where there was an exception that, uh, that that turned out to be really helpful. I'm trying to remember what video it was, but we'll we'll just kind of talk in in, in generalizations here. But um, I remember one of the videos that popped up on that uh, on, on on that set of results. Uh, was actually like a long exposure photograph of somebody performing that trick. So you could see the trails of the oh, of the poi pattern and everything, right? And um, I shoot all my B-roll in such a way that I can add trails and post if I want to. So what I did was I, I just went back to yeah. my B-roll and I took uh, photo, uh, footage of myself demoing the trick and I threw uh, uh, some post-production trails on it and everything. And that then became the center point of the thumbnail. Sure enough, it popped. Wow. Yeah. I was literally thinking of clickbait titles while you were talking. <laughs> and I was like, don't show this trick to someone tripping balls. Right. Like show like how to impress your girl with poi tricks. <laughs> like I was thinking it was like the most clickbait shit. Yeah. Like, well, so the, the clickbaity thing that I do do that I found was really good for building an audience was actually to be like, okay, top 10 beginner poi tricks, you know? Dude, people love they titles love with, with tutorials yeah. and stuff like that. I noticed that about myself is that that was a big game changer was I did exactly what you were talking about. I did research mm-hmm. on other people's Right. successful podcasts and that yeah. changed how I did everything oh totally yeah I looked at my top favorite podcasts and ones that were doing great and rising the best I said okay well this is where I thought they they would put the person's three four like almost headshot on the thumbnail so mm-hmm. I put me next to them yep on the thumbnail and then for the title I was looking at Logan Paul's impulsive podcast yeah and his titles are different a mm-hmm. lot of traditional people will put like Joe Rogan episode 333 right and that doesn't tell you anything. it doesn't tell you anything yeah. but what mm-hmm. Logan Paul would do is he would go he goes the craziest man ever or like more clickbaity shit <laughs> exactly. like like how this guy wrestles anacondas and i was sure. like and i was like that's more important because at the end of the day no one knows who the fuck bruce allen is or drex factor is unless you already right. know mm-hmm. so i have to put something attention grabbing exactly and, exactly and that changes the views as well totally uh, the the vlog that i had go live this morning the title is this makes me so happy yeah and absolutely nothing else and now people are like oh what makes drex happy i want to find that out yeah like yeah. It, it's it's crazy but even my normal videos besides the interviews that i've kind of figured out mm-hmm. is that um 
if I post like BTS, mm-hmm. let's say I, did, I just did a shoot here and I just yeah. film BTS. Hey, what's up, guys? Some cool B-roll shit like sure. that. I never mm-hmm. my style. I can't put BTS photo shoot. Yeah. No one wants to watch that shit. Exactly. I gotta. So if it's an e-commerce shoot, I got to put like how to shoot for fashion editorial e-commerce. Right. Because it's... How-to it's, videos. How, the how-to yeah. titles mm-hmm. are, are the killers. They're God's when I look, at my yeah. tap, mm-hmm. my look at my top videos, it's my crazy one that went viral last month, but then... Uh, they're all how-tos. Yeah, they're totally. all fashion editorial with how-to in it. So now all my BTS is all how-to something in that world. That's awesome. And you're, you're, you're totally doing like Gary V playbook there too of like trying to get the content to, uh, to, to fit in this one box that is really, really good for getting the eyeballs and everything. That's, that's clever. I like that. What do you mean? I wasn't really thinking about that, but I do love Gary Vee. Yeah, the, the way that he repurposes content, you know, mm-hmm. the way that he talks about like documenting your process and turning that into. Oh, yeah, no, that's yeah, exactly yeah. what it is. That's mm-hmm. exactly what it is. I turned that into something yeah. and then mm-hmm. that creates, that. that's that. It's been my premise since I started was Gary Vee. Totally. Like he was the OG on all this shit. Yeah. What do you know about the, the, the tags? So when, that's something that I, it seems very mystifying is the tagging. When yeah. I'm in that little box, I'm like, do I do a fuck ton? Do I just do 10 good ones? Like what, what's your strategy on the whole tagging of videos? Sure. So this is basically, uh, I mean, for all intents and purposes, it's the same algorithm as it is on Google where it is looking for multi-term uh, kind of searches, right? So in the grand scheme of things, if I upload a POI video and I put the tag POI on that, I am competing with so many hundreds of thousands of other videos and the likelihood of my one video like kind of getting through the mess is not that high. Let's say for the sake of argument that instead I make my tag uh, how to do POI snakes. Now there's five words in there. And each one gets progressively more detailed in terms of what people might be looking Narrows for. Narrows down the variables of exactly, the videos you're looking exactly. for. So if you can in your tags, make sure that you never have a tag that's any fewer than uh, any, any fewer than three words. Really? Yeah. I've been doing all single words like they were hashtags. Yeah, no, uh, there, there's a place for hashtags in the description and that's- Yeah, I've learned that. Thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's only three or something. So. Yeah, yeah. But no, the, the, the tags, think of it as Google search terms. Oh, so- so what, what do you think I should be putting like for this podcast? What should, I, should I put like poi spinning with Drex? Mm-hmm. Drex factor spins poi. Like, like, should I just repeat that list and be like, Drex factor blows my mind? Or like, <laughs> like interview with Drex factor? I mean, interview Bruce with Drex Antlin. factor should be in there, yes. Okay. Um, Drex, Drex factor interview, uh, Drex interview. Like you want to have a few variations oh, on that and everything. Okay, so I should be like photographer podcast. Right, right. Um, or like Burning Man stories. Oh, um, how to build a small business, things like that. Mm, okay, do that. You just you changed the game up <laughs> for me on that one. I literally right after this interview, I'm gonna be posting another interview. I'm gonna go in on the search terms and look at those results. Hell yes. Uh, another tip: don't change it in the first 24 hours. After the first 24 hours, go ahead and do it. But in the first, because the algorithm is looking for people to try and game it within those first 24 hours. So if you start changing that stuff, it's gonna it's gonna punish you for it. Oh, oh, so I never change that. Sometimes it'll be like a link that I forgot to put in, but yeah, that's yeah. it. Mm-hmm. But but you mean the keywords? Don't fuck with the keywords. Don't fuck with the keywords within the first twenty four hours. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Okay. See, see, we got thumbnails and captions. We got mm-hmm. keywords. What were my other things? Well, we didn't really... talk about captions, but those are also important. Really, Cl- close captions. Yeah. Really, tell me yeah. about this. This is a hack I ever heard about. Um, so long ago, um, it was it, like a few years ago. It was a thing that 
so the, the, the kind of deep learning algorithms that are involved in popping YouTube search terms and everything, very clearly they can't like watch your video in the same way the human being can <coughs> to see if it's relevant to their interest. So they're looking for specific terms to pop up in order to put you in search results. And, you know, tags, descriptions, and titles are very obvious uh, examples of that. But once upon a time, they were also looking through closed captions to see what you were actually saying in the video. But you have to write in your own closed captions. It does it automatically. Really? It's not very good at it, but it does It does do captions automatically. Oh. Um, and this is now part of my workflow is whenever I'm doing a tutorial or a list video or what have you, I actually start with the script and I like do it off a teleprompter and everything. And I just upload the script uh, to YouTube to use as uh, subtitles and closed captions. So you're saying YouTube crawls your verbal script. It used to. That's it, not yeah. as big a thing anymore. Okay. But the thing that it is really helpful for is it's really helpful for getting views from non-English speakers. Oh, so wait, it, it doesn't auto-translate, does it? No, no, it doesn't. But um, people who are like passingly familiar with English, nine times out of ten, they've got an easier time reading it off of subtitles than they do getting it through kind of spoken word and everything. Yeah. I, I don't know if you know any other languages, but like um, I, I speak quite a bit of Spanish and I know some Czech and a very, very small amount of Finnish. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's always easier for me to understand like a sign than it is what somebody's saying, you know? Very true. Yeah. Very true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've been watching a lot of anime, so I think I know some Japanese now. Totally. Mm -hmm. been really into this I saw. Academy or My Hero Academia. Anyways. <laughs> um, I, 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 I used to love anime and I haven't, I just haven't watched a lot of it lately. I haven't been into it, but I, I watched it. I just recently got into it because I was just bored. It's like for something. Yeah. Found it. I watched it before the gym. I was so pumped. <laughs> I can imagine. I was, like, I was like, in my mind, I was like, plus ultra. Just, just telling me you're doing the Naruto run on the treadmill. I was doing squats <laughs> yeah. and I was like thinking, I was like, I was like, I can do it too. Hell yeah. <laughs> but, um, wow, this, this is some great YouTube gold. Any, any other tips and tricks you got? I mean, the, so, Search optimization, that, that was kind of like the, the first point where I, I started to kind of uncover some gold for my YouTube channel, and that was about two years ago. The thing that really was the game changer for me last year was looking for search volume. Because um, not every search term that you try and target is created equal. Mm -hmm. So you want to look for stuff that... Uh, you don't just necessarily want to rank on particular searches. So, for example, if you're if you're posting the tag for this Drex Factor interview, I don't know how many people are going to be looking for Drex Factor interview. That's very true. Exactly. So, um, like, maybe something like uh, a interview small business or something like that is likely to have more oh, of a search volume attached to it. So it, it's a question not just of like being able to pop on those particular search terms, but finding the search terms that have enough volume to actually make it worthwhile. Mm, that's very interesting. Yeah. I was thinking about the caption. I, I was thinking back to the caption, like what's the most relatable caption that someone would Google mm. or someone would search on YouTube and be like, totally. Well, and, and there's definitely search volume associated with that. And this is one of the reasons why I love morning fame so much is when I'm looking up particular uh, keywords and uh, tags and things that I'm interested in, in pursuing, it'll actually give me a grade on uh, on, on how how big the search volume is for Do it. Do you think replying to comments has any impact? Oh, absolutely. Like yeah. And what about uh, the description? Is Des there a strategy for description? Um, basically, you number one, 
get as close as you can to repeating your title within the first paragraph of your description, mm -hmm. like really within the three lines, the first three lines, if you can, pardon me. Um, and, um, is that because it doubles that it like doubles the search? Well, it, it it's, it's, again, it's looking for relevancy. So ah. if you've got, you know, you, if you've got this particular search term that you're trying to pop for and it's in your tags and it's in that first three lines of your description and it's in your title, boom. Oh, that's three ways. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. Makes, okay. makes the algorithm happy. When I first started getting into SEO, I thought it was better to like kind of diversify and everything. And it turns out that that's not the case. Mm, you, yeah. You actually do want to repeat the things. For a description, yeah, that's a good point. I'm going to start doing that. And mm -hmm. then I, I do the three hashtags in there now. I'll put like hashtag podcast, hashtag interview, Hashtag the Bruce Allen, probably not the best ones, but. Uh, <laughs> well, the, the Bruce Allen is good because you're building a brand there. And yeah. You have an audience. So. Yeah. So I thought maybe someone looks me up. This, this yeah, absolutely. Up. Okay. Yeah. And then I do a bunch of links to Instagrams and I'll link sure. all your stuff as well. So maybe, do you think that maybe that creates backlinks or something? I don't know. Uh, not really. I okay. mean, yeah, it's, it, I don't think it works that way. I've never actually looked into that, but that'd be, that'd be an interesting question to answer. Right. Yeah. So how, so. I, I definitely have a lot of links in mind, like yeah. to kind of um, companies that I have affiliate links with and uh, playlists of like beginner point, things like that. But so I imagine you don't, maybe I'm wrong, but mm -hmm. do you make, you, I don't think you make all your money from the YouTube. Ads. No, most of my income What's, comes from Patreon. Ah, really? Yeah. Uh, and I, uh, I just uh, topped a thousand dollars a month this month. Congrats, my dude. Thank you. That's epic. But <laughs> yeah. I know you have things on top of that too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, affiliate income is one of them. Um, so uh, that means AdSense, of course, and uh, AdSense is going really well too. The, what do you mean AdSense? Um, so advertisements on my YouTube videos. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. YouTube AdSense. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm making five bucks this month. I just got it for my. Nice. Right. Yeah. I, it wasn't the whole point, but I was just really <laughs> yeah. stoked to have monetization. Right. Oh man, yeah. I, I remember when I first got the monetization email and just feeling like, yes, amazing. Uh, no, and and I know that like the first month and everything, it's kind of like really. Um, but at the same time, like especially with the restrictions they have now on that and everything. Oh my god, it's insane. No, that's a, that's a great accomplishment, dude. You're you're doing a great job building an audience. Oh yeah, it took yeah. me two years to hit a thousand. Yeah. But I, I, now it's just exponential. It's crazy. Oh, I know. Totally. It's crazy how it works. Yeah. You, you look at the graphs of like followers and views and everything and it just like, yeah. and it always is just a question of like, how deep is the curve, you know? Yeah. It feels good. It feels, I, it feels so satisfying. Good. Yes. That's like, what I like to hear. It, but in a very narcissistic way. <laughs> <laughs> like in a, in a way that's almost bad. Yeah. Like I love clicking on that creator studio tab and looking at my views or video, but if it's not where I thought it'd be, I'm like, <gasps> I know No, And this is awful. I have this problem. Like literally every time I have a video that goes live is like, I will wake up like super early. My body will just like, you know, get up at like five or six in the morning and I'll just like turn over and open up YouTube studio. And I'm like, okay, how am I doing so far? Oh, <laughs> it's, a, it's crazy. That whole side of yeah. putting out content. And you know, I, there's definitely a lot has been written about the kind of like narcissism of like, you know, oh, you know, people like me and everything. But I, I think that what gets a lot less ink is, you know, I see the likes and I see the and, and I see the view count in the comments. And that's not like, you know, oh, my God, this makes me feel so good about myself. It's like, wow, these are people that. I was able to reach and that I provided a service for. That is very cool. That's the satisfying part. Absolutely. People assume it's all negative and vain, but it's like, mm -hmm. no, it's like, it's actually really satisfying because that means I could share this with people. Oh my God. Yeah. I, 
I, um, I, I had an experience on my, uh, my Instagram on Tuesday. I uploaded uh, a albums tutorial and there was a kid who sent me video of himself like getting down the trick on his Instagram. I saw that. And everything. That was really cool. Oh my God. That's gonna be such a cool feeling. Oh yeah. Like, I mean, this kid lives in Brazil. There's no way I would have ever would have met this kid otherwise. Dude, that is that I've, I've had that happen. Like it's yeah. been happening to me. People will DM me from freaking France. That's awesome. Somewhere and they'll be like, yo, I loved your videos. <laughs> you know, I love your stuff, man. Not, like not, they reach out to me mm-hmm. and it, that part feels so good. Absolutely. Like, that, it makes my day sometimes. Like Absolutely. when, when someone DMs me, kid, like, yeah. when someone DMs me like, yo, I love your content. I'm like, yo, that means so much. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's insane. It, that is definitely something that has been a big focus for me coming into 2019. Cause mm-hmm. like, Growth was definitely the word that guided a lot of my actions in 2018. And I, I actually kind of like reached a point by the fourth quarter where I like started to burn out on it. And I just didn't. You're going hard. Yeah. I was going super hard. And it also was one of those things that I, after a while, I just didn't feel good about the content that I was creating. You know, I'm like, is this actually worth anybody's time? And I, I kind of meditated on that. Like for, you were making content specifically for views and stuff. Exactly. Not so much. I enjoyed making that video. Right. I mean, there were there were things that I created in 2018 that were like very meaningful to me that I felt like I had made huge gains on creatively and grown as an editor or as mm-hmm. a dancer or what have you. And, uh, you know, and, and some of them just like didn't pop. And then there would be this other thing that I was like really clearly trawling the, the, the search algorithm and everything. And it, you know, after a little bit of that, it just gets to be like, you know, this, it, it feels like what, why am I doing this? You know? And I, I had to sit on that for a while. And ultimately what I realized was the thing that I loved the most about it was seeing other people like apply the things that I, I had created. Like mm. the, this kid from Brazil sending me yeah. a video and everything. Um, so this year, the focus has been way more on trying to create things that are more interactive, that are tr- going to get people sending me things that they're proud of, because ultimately that's, that's the real thrill I get out of this is knowing that I have done something that made somebody else happy, you know? And I, I, I think at one point it was like seeing the view counts and the likes that did that for me. And now it's starting to move further into, you know, I want to see people participating and mm. like seeing them apply it in their I've own learned lives. that it's like a balance for me. Mm. Like I have to do, I have to do some clickbaity shit. So it goes, yeah. so people watch my good shit. Oh yeah. You have to, you know, mm-hmm. like I've just started reporting on like the fashion world yeah. and I've, if I do it very quickly, very quick and timely, mm-hmm. then it'll pop. Yeah. And then all of a sudden people watch my interviews. Nice. I'm like, oh, thank God I have to do it. It kind of sucks sometimes, yeah. but it's like low investment video making and I just rant. But right. I found that because I have to I have to do that sometimes mm-hmm. to get people to watch this stuff. Totally. So it's almost weird. Like you have to do what you got to do sometimes. Yeah. I, I, I think that the lesson for me in 2018 was just that, you know, yeah, you got to do what you got to do sometimes. That doesn't mean you got to do it all the time. Very true. Yeah. So it's a 2019 goal. The 2019 goal. Um, Make that money, bitch. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's that's definitely goal number that's one. That's always the goal. That's goal number one for sure. Um, I So a couple things. N- number one is to increase interactivity. I want to have more Engagement. videos that get, yeah, exactly, get more, get more comments, get more people. Did you make that flex video? 
that flex video? I was like, bro, you need to make a video where you just flex on people, your skills. Like, oh, like you just got to oh. pop off, put but, some dope fucking dubstep, you yeah. know, like use someone's dubstep or, or maybe not because that might fuck you. So just use some cool dubstep yeah. and just flex on people. And that would be like, and you could clickbait that so hard. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I kind of did. I didn't use dubstep because hashtag HeyDDM, but, um, <laughs> dude, <laughs> yeah, no, but, um, yeah, I've, I've been uploading more videos of myself just like going to town Fuck yeah. and, uh, That's sweet. W- w- uh, because it's a Thursday. Um, one of, uh, one of the things I've been doing is every Thursday I've been like uploading to my Instagram and my stories and everything. It's like, you yeah, know, you're on the story game. I noticed how you came yeah. in and you did the story. I was like, I didn't, I didn't even do my story. Shit. I'll do that. I'll do it after the interview. <laughs> we can do that for sure. Um, no, but like, um, basically like coming up with with a combo where I'm just like, you know, showing off what I can do in terms of like stringing together stuff and finding flow and everything and making it a challenge for other people. It's like, Hey, learn this combo. And like I'll include in the stories, all the individual tricks that are a part of it and everything. Oh, it gives us something to look forward to. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I've been, I've been getting people sending me, uh, videos of themselves doing these combos from Russia, Ukraine. There was a guy from Iran. I mean, it's, but that's awesome because that combo creates huge like that has a lot yeah. of deep impact Absolutely. you know also oh, yo where'd you learn that combo yo drex on thursday you right. know like that's that long-term thing that's going to happen for you totally that random thing well and it's an it's also an opportunity to cross-pollinate content because if i'm showing a trick off that somebody doesn't know i can also you know because i'm above ten thousand followers i can like have the swipe up link to oh, my amazing. youtube uh, uh tutorial on it so it's it's a wonderful opportunity to see other people applying the things that i'm teaching great opportunity to flex yeah, I get to show off these combos I'm coming up with and everything. Gotta let people know you're the master. You know? <laughs> Gotta let people know who the OG is, right? Uh, and it's an opportunity to get people to check out other content too. Well, then it's also I feel like it's not so salesy all the time. Exactly. Not that you are, but I'm just saying yeah. that I, that can happen a lot with yeah. people who have made these businesses, especially the whole online marketing part. Yeah, and and that is a thing that I still struggle with. Um, I, I've done a lot of lead magnets on my YouTube channel and everything, and. You know, sometimes they pop and sometimes they don't. And uh, improving it as, as a salesman is definitely something that I have a lot of room to grow on. Yeah, same here, man. Yeah. Like, I, I try to take the Gary Vee approach, like, just create content and it'll happen. But then sometimes <laughs> I'm like, well, I need money, dude. Like, yeah. I have to, you know, I ha- I'm trying to get some sponsors for the podcast. I'd love a couple extra hundred bucks a month. You Absolutely. Know? Like, mm-hmm. It's like, <sighs> yeah. Can't just throw out content all the time. But, it helps. It does help. Absolutely, it does. What's your marketing strategy? Do you use like Facebook ads, Instagram ads to pr- to promo your stuff? What's your idea with that? Never on my videos. Like, um, so, so I, what I tend to find is is I get decent enough discovery as it is that I don't worry that much about like growing the audience. The audience is growing anyway. Um, pardon me. Um, what I use the ads for is, so for example, one of the things that's happening this year is I've got uh, a workshop tour that I'm doing in March where I'm going to be touring through the Midwest and everything. And I'm going to be uh, taking kind of the assets that I'm using for advertising that and putting some ad dollars behind them for a few reasons. The biggest one being that it's going to help me reach eyeballs that I wouldn't have reached otherwise. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, You'd be dumb not to do that. Exactly. Exactly. How, and how else are you going to reach poi spinners in the Midwest or people even interested? Totally. And this has been a big part of me growing my in-person classes here in the D.C. area. And, mm. you know, I remember I, I took like a two or three year hiatus on that because um, they just the the income wasn't balancing out the cost and everything. And a big part of the reason for that was I just didn't have a good way of kind of reaching the eyeballs that I needed to with it because you don't just 
I mean, absolutely you want to reach your fans because who is most likely to, you know, show up to learn from yeah, you your person fans. and everything. But you also want new new people coming exactly. in. That's the important part. It's, exactly. not, it's like keep your fans happy, but then how do you bring in new people to your world? Right. Or and even just people interested for a little bit. Oh, totally. And and like using Facebook and Instagram ads for reaching those people like finally made me realize that just, you know, before we had social media, we were in the dark ages in terms of like reaching people via advertising. It yeah. was literally throwing darts at a board and hoping you hit a bullseye, you know? Mm, that's interesting. Cause I was just curious how you built the business around this and in mm. whether it was just like your crazy ad savagery or your lead <laughs> magnets or what it was because i all the above yeah it's, it's like so it's many like pieces. It's, you're not just spinning poi mindlessly people no. like it's like guys he's not just smoking weed and spinning poi i don't even know if he smokes weed, I don't what smoke do you, weed. yeah he's, this guy's <laughs> i'm the like, most boring flow artist ever <laughs> you're a ninja with this stuff like yeah. you're you're like okay i got this video but how do i market it right the correct terms mm -hmm. the word the title it's like you're almost getting it down to a science in a weird way of like mm -hmm. this is how you do it this is how you make your your hobby your business this right. is how you make your niche hobby your business yeah and i mean in theory if all the pieces come together you know i've got my online courses that i sell for people you know wanting to learn in a more structured fashion and everything so you take one component of that and you create a tutorial around it that you post to youtube and you make sure at the end of it you tell people hey if you like learning this trick i'll show you three other things that you can do with it in this course right here <coughs> mm -hmm. and see if you can get them to click through and in theory that's how it works right in theory yeah i don't i don't know how that works out for you does it work out for you uh sometimes yeah. uh, so, some some lead magnets have worked better than others um but, uh, I mean, I, I, my, my lead magnets getting people to sign up for my list usually do really well. Do you do merch and stuff like that too? I used to. Um, God, I, I really, I hate the process of like fulfillment and everything. And I know that you can outsource that and everything. Drop shipping, baby. I know, I know. The, the problem is, is that like the, the volume of sales that you get in the flow arts because we're so incredibly niche, it's, it's kind of difficult to make that, that really pay off for itself. Um, I used to make and sell sets of poi myself. Well, now that would make sense. Yeah, and it's time consuming. It is profitable, but it is time consuming. Mm. Um, it's not easily automated. Like, you know, you're literally drilling holes into contact juggling balls and forcing rope through and everything. Oh, yeah, it's just like, uh, it's not worth the hassle, I guess. No, and I, I mean... You know, me being me, I kind of like analyzed it and figured out like where are the bottlenecks and on, on this and everything. And I got to a point where I could make a single set of poi in less than five minutes. Um, but, you know, it, it you run into a few problems, one of which being that, uh, you know, I have to travel a lot for what I do uh, going around. Really? You travel a lot? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so um, within this kind of subculture, there are a lot of festivals that they have where basically people show up for a weekend and they take workshops from people that, you know, they respect. And uh, at night, there is a gigantic dance floor where people get to spin fire to DJs. Nice. Yeah. So I, I, I used to tour this festival circuit very extensively, which is awesome because it gives you FaceTime with your fans and everything. Yeah, you get and, to meet people, build yeah, your brand that way and exactly. network and whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. One, one of the great ways I built an audience was anybody who popped into my workshops and those, uh, I took their email addresses and said, Hey, I'm going to send you a feedback form so you can tell me like what I, what, how, how did, how did this class go for you and everything? And I'm also going to include videos that are like, are people showing up to these fire spinnings like fucked up or are they like, well, that's gotta be somewhat aggravating. Yeah. I mean, 
So in theory, all of them are events that uh, are are supposed to be, you know, dry events and people aren't supposed to bring substances to them and everything. But it, there's kind of a wink, wink, nudge, nudge element of to course, that there. Of course, yeah. And it depends upon the festival. Some of the festivals, there's a really strong party scene. And some of them, there's almost no party scene. Oh. Um, there... There's actually one up in New England called uh, Wildfire where they, they'll actually shut down the fire circle at midnight and uh, to, to just so there's not like a party place for people to go and everything, um, which I kind of like because you get people who are more rested then, like coming to, you know, your workshops the next day and everything. Um, but yeah, it, it, it does tend to be a problem. And, you know, people get super excited and they want to take all of the workshops and they just don't pace themselves. And by the end of the weekend, they're just like, you know, totally mentally blown whether oh, they've been doing stuff yeah. or not. And, uh, you know, sometimes people have a hard time holding on to stuff, but they always really appreciate it because they get to connect with other people that have similar interests and they get to connect with people they really respect. Do you ever see, uh, do you ever see, I don't know why I want to be like, has EDM helped you? Of course it has. But, uh, <laughs> Do you ever see yourself or what it is doing going mainstream? I don't know. Um, I think that we would need to change a few things culturally for that to be possible. Um, I think we have a lot to offer the mainstream, honestly. Th this, is, this is one of the reasons why teaching poi is more important to me than performing it, you know? Because mm -hmm. there's, there's plenty of artists out there that, like, make a living by going out and performing at corporate events and everything, and that's not something that I get as much of a charge out of. And the reason I like teaching is simply because the best things that, you know, poi spinning and the flow arts in general have added to my life um, are all things that I would like to give to other people, mm. you know, access to this wonderful community, this great mental challenge. And, you know, it gets you up and makes you exercise. That's true. You know, you um, can market that to like middle aged women in the government. That's the plan. Yeah. <laughs> um, Wait, seriously? Yeah, well, so I got an offer to, to teach a 10-week class at a community college, which that reminds me later today, I need to finish writing the outline for that. Oh, like like alternative ways for exercise. Mm-hmm, yeah. Oh, that's, really, that's, that's crazy. That's really cool, actually. Yeah. Like, poi becomes the next soul cycle. <laughs> or maybe the next uh, Zumba, who knows. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> So I, I think that we have a lot to offer, mm -hmm. uh, personally. I, I think that, you know, poi spinning and flow arts check off a lot of boxes there. The problem that I keep seeing us run into is, you know, we we have we are definitely like a kind of subculture and counterculture oriented uh, pursuit. Um, it's surprising that there's a guy who's really popular in this particular subculture who doesn't do drugs and doesn't like EDM, and that is kind of so contrary to the whole thing. Exactly, and. It, when you get down into it, there's like these are subcultures in which people have this really strong sense of identity that are that are tied to it. Mm. And there are some people for whom it feels very threatening to see it become a more mainstream kind of thing. They don't want to see it. They don't want to they, they don't want the kids that beat them up in high school to be doing it, you know? Ah, they kind of want to keep it to their heart. Exactly, exactly. You know? And you know. You know, growing up listening to punk music and everything, I, I, I remember that. I remember that culture and I remember, you know, feeling like this was a place that you belonged and this was a place that you could be safe in everything. And Do you I, think Poi is rave culture though? Not anymore. Not anymore? I mean... Like, do you think it's in the same sort of box as like the finger light gloves? Because that's a big thing with kids these days, I've heard. So it's a it's a funny thing that you ask that because uh, one of one of the big companies that makes those gloves, 
uh, <laughs> Amazing Lights has, has gotten into producing poi in recent years. About time. Well, so here's the thing. You better, you better be all over that shit. No, so they got tarred and feathered for doing it. Really? Yeah, the, the poi kids were not having this. They thought that they were like cultural carpetbaggers and like... That, that doesn't make sense. I know, I know. It's, it's, it, <laughs> um, it gives them a bigger platform. Exactly. But um, sometimes there are people that, you know, want to... What's, what's the term? You know, bite their nose to spite their face, you know? Yeah. Um, and there's a really strong current of people that, like, do not want to see it go mainstream, that want to keep it small, want to, like, keep it pure. And I, I know, I know. I, I, I feel the same way about it. I, I, I understand it. I do understand the mentality. And I think that there's room for both. And, you know, the thing that always confuses me is just, you know, I, I I think that there's a way that both of those things can happen, but it seems for so many people as though if the other thing is happening, then it ruins the way that they're getting to enjoy it. And that's something I don't understand. Oh yeah. It's not like this and that it's like this or that. Exactly. Uh, so, so did they not sell the point anymore? No, they still do. Oh, they say as a business, they're like, screw you guys. Like, I know. I know. No. Um, I, I, I've actually done a couple sponsored videos for them and everything over the years. Nice. Cause, uh, yeah, no, um, their their CEO is actually is is actually a nice guy. I, 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 got I, I to remember meet him. hearing about it when I mm -hmm. oh, years ago it was like some Asian guy in college or something mm -hmm. like that. Brian Lim, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Went to some raves, got the genius idea that no one was doing this. And mm -hmm. He started the business. Like it's pretty simple. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, ironically enough, his wife got him into it <laughs> of all things. Um, no, which which is awesome because it's making connections. So you are know? you worried about? Your business declining when EDM declines because no. EDM is kind of on a bubble. Yeah, like all genres is always like the hot genre with young kids. Right yeah. now, it's dubstep. They all love dubstep. Mm -hmm. They don't. They, now, all of my house heads are trans heads. They all love dubstep. They all go in headbang. Yeah, uh, and glove. And glove. Yeah. Uh, God, you're not, the first you, time I got a light show was really interesting because I'd never. <laughs> no, no. Tell me about this. I had never. So, um, <sighs> short version of the story. Um, no. So when Amazing Lights released their poi. Um, and of course got the blowback from the community, which they, they, they actually did make some mistakes in how they marketed it. And uh. there, there were some legit things that they were getting called out for, um, uh, freebooting and things like that. Um, and, uh, after, uh, you know, as, as they were kind of getting burned in effigy and everything, uh, the CEO reached out to me, I, I evidently popped up on his radar somehow and like wanted to talk to me about like poi culture and you know how oh, they could so understand you were like it the mediator better. there um tutor more like i think okay. would be the the way to put it, it well it yeah mediator in some respects i think um but uh and he invited me to come out for the international gloving championship i think this would have been in 2017 and um like i knew gloving was a thing but i'd like never seen it done and i didn't kind of understand because you don't go to race culture. yeah exactly which is why yeah um, no, so I show up to Amazing Lights headquarters and everything, and they brought in all their sponsored kids and everything, and they had this glorious back studio with, like, a shadowless room and an amazing camera and, like, this incredible rack of LEDs that they can... Oh, oh God. It's like being inside a small theater. It's incredible. Oh. Um, no, and so, like, while these kids were, like, shooting videos and everything, Brian's just like, hey, does anybody want to give Drex his first light show? 
And um, there's this dude who's like, oh, I do, I do, I do. And so he's like, yes, go sit down in the chair and everything. And this kid walks up to me and, and like, I'm just like, oh my God, like so up in my face. Cause you know, spinning yeah. poi, you've got like this personal bubble that's at least like six feet around you and everything at all times because you don't like, otherwise you hit people. Yeah. And this kid just like gets so up in my business with, with his, with, with uh, his, his gloving and everything. And it was beautiful, but it was also one of those things like, Oh my goodness, this is a very different culture. <laughs> yeah, because it, they use like depth in yeah. hiding and mm-hmm. finger cutting and exactly. all that stuff to kind of trip you out. And, you know, I should have put two and two together on that because, you know, if, if you're using your fingers, this is a very small canvas to work with and everything. Um, it has to be like. Yeah. I, I, ironically, I think that in some respects they have the opposite problem that flow artists do, where like. When we go to an event, it's very difficult for us to be able to do our thing because we take up so damn much room with it. But we're great for performances because you put us on a stage and we eat up so oh, much space. You can for, see us from the back of the room. But for them, they're just twiddling You're their so fingers. Close in. So it's just like you put, they you, can't. You put somebody on a stage like that and you've got to like, I, I imagine you have to have a camera on them or something that you like project onto a I've screen. I've never seen someone. Yeah. How does the whole audience judge their finger cutting? Exactly. Yeah. That'd be like a thumb wrestling competition, <laughs> right? Oh, he's going for the suplex with this with this macro lens on the camera, so we can see. It's like uh, the, the videos of like marble races and everything. We got to be right up in there. So it's so funny. I was so I was talking about gloving with my friend last night. We were mm-hmm. out uh, at this Korean spot, just grabbing soju and drinks and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was telling her about you. And she's like, oh, gl-. she was like gloving she was like yeah my my friend's like son loves gloving hmm. that's that's and that's how I, I kind of was like oh so it's like all the young kids are into the dubstep and gloving i was like <laughs> oh this makes sense now yeah yeah and then, so i actually shared with her my first gloving experience which blew my mind oh do tell yeah so it was also the first time i did molly so that was crazy mm. um great combination by the way yeah i would imagine so it was in here in DC, I was watching this band called Dada Life, which mm-hmm. you probably don't know who they are. No idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they were they were epic, and their whole thing was champagne and bananas, and it was mm-hmm. like they would throw giant bananas, they would spray champagne on the crowd, but then also it was one of those events where they spray paint on the crowd. Mm-hmm. They like a fire hose on stage, and they just <laughs> spray the whole crowd. Yeah. So, anyways, I was there with some serious ravers. Got got a Molly pull off of one of them. I was so scared. I was like, my mom pulled me out to do drugs. You know, like I was yeah, like, yeah. I was so noob about it. But I was like, I was like, you know what? If there's anyone I trust, I'm gonna trust these people. Yeah. So I did it. Molly's amazing for the record. Like, <laughs> I, 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 I don't, I don't condone, condone drugs. But I'm not gonna lie, that shit felt really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't do drugs, kids. But if you're gonna do them, do Molly. No. <laughs> no. And so uh, I just remember I was sitting there, I was like tripping balls, dancing, having a great time, I was the time of my life. And all of a sudden, this kid comes up to me with the gloves on and yeah and my oh and my that must friends have like, blown your mind my friends were like oh my god they were they were already mm-hmm. like yo give him his first slideshow give him his first slideshow yeah, yeah. and i was like huh and i was like sure mm-hmm. of course i'm open to anything at that point right right so this kid just comes up and he just starts finger dancing in front of me i'm like oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just blown away by this i'm just like what the hell is going on you know yeah. the music's pumping like it was just like all of these just things coming in. And then all of a sudden his homie comes up from behind him and doubles on top of his finger. Oh, so I'm, getting shit. Like, I'm getting like, I'm literally getting finger banged. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting finger banged on Molly and this fucking concert. Oh my God. <laughs> and so that was just the trippiest experience of my life. And I was just like, Oh my God, that was amazing. Like, and that's how you do your first light show. Right. Kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it was in a studio or anything like that, mm-hmm. but that, that just blew my mind. Yeah. 
but the dedication of the people was insane. The oh, technique yeah. and how they do everything and the angles and the depth and the and the patterns and the geometry was nuts. Oh, totally. And one of the really cool things I learned while I was there is there there's actually like some crossover of kids that'll do gloving and poi and they're bringing some poi tricks over. Uh, there's a thing in gloving they call flails mm-hmm. where you're essentially like rotating your hand around like this and everything and it turns the tip of your fingers into like the end of a prop, right? So there are kids that are like building up the dexterity in their wrists that they can like treat it like a poi as they're Whoa. going around. Yeah, I found it's out- It's like voguing or something. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I actually met a kid while I was out there who's like, yeah, you know, I'm taking all of this like tech poi stuff that you're doing and I'm applying it to gloving. I'm like, holy crap. That's a clickbait video waiting to happen. Yeah, right? <laughs> Throw gloving in there. Yeah. Throw the word gloving somehow. Yeah, tech poi for glovers. Yo. Oh, I don't know. Done. <laughs> Dubstep tech poi. <laughs> Brutal breakdown. Ironically enough, one of these things that keeps popping up as I do keyword research is poi spinning music. Like, apparently that's a thing people search for, and I've never seen a video that actually works around those keywords. Well, that's actually interesting because when I was at your burn, that was a problem with everyone is, what, mm-hmm. what songs do we want? What right, do we right. want? So it, mm-hmm. seem, is there, it seems like there's a genre or a playlist that should exist where people could just be like, this is it. If I'm going to spin, I'm just going to put on Drex's Poi spinning playlist. Well, I mean, and this is like totally one of those people who live in glass houses moments, but like, as somebody who like doesn't really care for EDM, being around EDM fans is occasionally really funny to me because they spend more time, gross generalization, and I'm like, people are going to take issue with this. This is going to be the thing that people write angry comments on good, this video about. we need something about. good about that. Uh, um, no, but like, I swear to God, EDM fans spend 90% of their time talking about the genres they don't like. <laughs> they spend so much more time talking about the music they don't like than they do about the music that they do like. You're in these crowds a lot more than me, so you have way more insight. Yeah. They're, so they're sitting there like, I love house, but I hate tribal dubstep, or I hate tech house. Uh, among my friends here in D.C., there, there's one there, there's one person who's just like, okay, we can listen to anything just as long as it's not house kind of thing, you know? <laughs> I'm like, really? Um, anything but house. I just, I just can't do the doof. Yeah, like, and then they'll like come back from parties like, oh, there's too much deep house there. I didn't like it kind of thing. Yeah, how many times have you heard that's like... Uh, more than I can count at this point, which I, I love my friends, but this is always... And again, people who live in glass houses and everything coming up in the punk scene, punks are just as bad. I totally admit that. But it's been a long time since like I, I, I've been in that kind of way in terms of like... You know, being being a little music. It's like they're talking about wine or something. Yeah, I went to the show and it was, mm-hmm. you know, fifty percent dubstep, twenty percent rhythm, mm-hmm. and then ten percent house. Oh, I hated it. Like it was it was two thousand fifteen. Yeah, yeah, dubstep, yeah, bad vintage. You yeah, know? do you remember two thousand eleven? It was all dubstep. It was fabulous, Martha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's crazy. So so what's 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 coming down the pipe for you? What's what's the uh, what's coming up for Drex Factor? I mean, it seems like. Online's doing great. You got it. Yeah. I mean, what's so the, the tour? I'm really excited about. Um, I just uh, I, I just secured sponsorship for it too. So there's nice. a prop company that's sponsoring me doing it, Lantern Smith. Thank you guys. Shout out Lantern Smith. Hell yeah. Um, so that I'm really excited about, and uh, I'm really excited to see how like kind of pivoting my focus a little bit is is going to work this year, and like getting to connect more with with the fan base and everything is is I. It, it's something that is going to nourish me both, I think, as a business person as well as, like, just as an artist and a human being, you know? Mm. Um, still on the fence about Burning Man this year. We'll, really? You don't want to go? Or? 
I mean, it it's it seems like a huge investment. It's such a huge investment, like monetary and time and energy, because right. you don't like you got to prepare for it. You got to spend all this money. You got to right. be mentally prepared for Burning Man, and then when you got to detox from Burning Man when you get back, yeah, that seems like a lot. Especially as people like me and you, I'm guessing who. Mm-hmm. I'm very business minded. I don't want to waste that time. No, totally. You know, I'm thinking if, if, if I'm there burnt out after Burning Man, I'm like, fuck, I could have uploaded a video. <laughs> or I could have done something or I'm at Burning Man. Like, oh, I, I mean, I could totally be doing something right now. That's why you do your content in batch instead of to go live later on. What? Uh, uh, most of my content I, I do all in like one week and then I just set it to go live later on. Oh, well, I'm not that smart. <laughs> I'm not that smart. I yeah. have a good schedule with podcasts where I'm like a little behind, so I have a delay yeah. so I can mm-hmm. catch up, but that's about it. Oh, yeah. I, I record all of my YouTube videos for one month and one day. I spend a week writing them, and I shoot them all in a single day, and I spend the next week editing them. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. It is. The The days that I shoot are exhausting, and I'm brain jello at the end of them, but... It, it, it also is, it gives me so much more time to, you know, brainstorm and connect with people. Here's an odd question. Yeah. Do you pick up a lot of bitches with your poise spinning? What's that? Do you pick up a lot of girls with your poise spinning? Um, yeah. I mean, in that world, you got to have some groupies, man. Yeah. I mean, so, <laughs> God, all right. Now you're embarrassing me here. Ah. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, Short answer, I have definitely made some connections with uh, with, with mm-hmm. some very wonderful mm-hmm. people as a result of voice spinning. I bet. Um, Spin my titties. <laughs> I, I, and again, one of the ways in which I'm like such a boring person is just like, I, I really, really, really don't want to kind of, I, I don't want to use the presence to, you know, I, you, to, you don't use the clout. You I don't use the clout really to hard not to. I try so hard not to. Like that—that's an awful statement to make. No, I, I don't. I, 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 I try not to, but sometimes there's just that one girl, <laughs> and boy, does she look good. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, I, th- I think that's just a benefit of being on the internet. It's a weird thing. It's like a weird privilege of clout. I've got minimal clout, but I still see some returns on that clout. Yeah, you've got way more clout and deeper clout to me. So there's some girl out there who's spending point. Like I would totally. Think I mean, I don't doubt that that's true, but I, I mean, so here's the thing is like in the dance world and like in, in the flow arts world too, we definitely, we, we have a problem with how women get objectified and how, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, a, a, a girl will post a video to one of the Facebook groups where, you know, she's wearing a sports bra and she's like trying to break down a bunch of really difficult tricks. And all the guys will only talk about what she's wearing and be like, oh, you know, I found my flow girlfriend and all that shit and oh, everything. That's it's annoying. Like, I know. It's like, this is how we make sure that we don't bring awesome people into our world as if they feel like it's a boys club and they're going to get intimidated out of it and everything. And so one thing that is honestly really important to me is I want to make sure that anybody who like likes my content and likes the stuff that I do and everything, that when they walk up to me, they feel like, you know, this is a person who is looking at me as a human being first and that I don't feel like they're trying to get with me or anything mm. like that, you know? That's important though. Absolutely. It's it like is. create like a long lasting brand in a business. Yes. Yes. And, and also too, I, <clears throat> I think it's important to be an example on that, you know, mm-hmm. cause you know, we're still kind of in the process of figuring out what people who are well-known within this subculture, how they interact with people in it and everything. And I think one of the worst things I can imagine is we just recreate the kind of excesses and problems that already exist in the outside world. We've, we've got an opportunity to set a different standard, so why don't we do it? 
True. It's very true. Yeah. You're so noble. I mean, I'm like, I'm like halfway joking and trolling when I ask those kinds of questions. No, I know. And, and I, I mean, I'm, I'm human, of course. Like there, there are definitely moments where. Well, I mean, even in the photography world, I go out of my way to not be creepy, even, yeah. Yeah, even to not come across creepy and because God, and, that's gotta be so important as a photographer. Cause they've got to trust you implicitly. Yeah. In the studio, yeah. You know? And so it's like, Hey, come to my studio and shoot. It's like, that's kind of weird when you really break it down, you yeah. know, but from the get, I always had that mentality. I was like, I don't mm-hmm. ever want to use photography to pick up women. Like that is yeah. not my MO. So I totally. always, yeah. so I always would go out of my way to like, make sure they're comfortable, make sure like they mm-hmm. don't, they have a good place to change. Like if I have to move something, I'm like, Hey, can I like touch you real quick to move this? Right. And they're always way more cool about it. But I always totally. try on eggshells about it because that is a label I feel like would never be written off. Right. Is the whole, yeah, he's creepy or yeah. he tried hitting on me or some shit. I'm like, uh, uh-uh, uh, not me, not today. Like, well, and one of the things that really breaks my heart that's been popping up in the fire spinning world in the past couple of years is we're discovering that there are a bunch of photographers that have had deep roots in the flow arts world that are creeps that have been using it to take advantage of women. Photographers will always be, there will always be creep photographers who take advantage of the situation. That's the sad part. No, I know. And to, to be fair, it's not just photographers, but there, there's been an abnormally, of, oh, of, it's, it's something that's been coming up recently. Yeah, of, of the guys who've been getting called out for it and everything, uh, and a very large number of them turn out to have to be photographers and everything. What but is all the flow? All the flow outs girls are are, cre- are ruined that joke. <laughs> <laughs> Try it again. It'll, it'll be better the second time. I swear. What is it, all the flow arts girls are are uh, kinky and stuff like that? What is it? They're always more open or something. I mean, I think that's true of dancers in general. You yeah, know? they all more. Well, it's more alternative people. Yeah, more open to like well, group sex and shit like that. And as somebody who kind of like discovered how to express himself physically through going into the flow arts and everything, it connects you with your body in such a way that you feel so much more comfortable with it. You mm, know, that's a very interesting way to kind of dissect that one. Yeah. Huh. That's nuts. But yeah, the we. Uh, we have some very incredibly uh, fit people in the flow arts, and uh, there, there are more than a few moments where you're just like, "Yeah, this is kind of awesome." Dude, nice man. I feel like we're naturally coming to an end here. Yeah. Um, but something I think is really notable about you is that just how you've done it—it's really remarkable. Like how oh, you've you. taking this mm-hmm. time at Burning Man and turned that almost give up, almost give up on it, turned mm-hmm. that into. Being a successful, like joyful filled life, I'm gonna assume you seem a very happy guy. Yeah. Like, and you're doing it, and you're like a low key legend in it. You know. <laughs> yeah. And 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 you're able to make that a career. It's so impressive. I mean, I thank you. And to f- flip that around for just one second, I mean, I couldn't do it without the people that are out there that watch the content and that you know are are supporting what I do and everything. I. You know, I, I definitely feel like I've contributed the work ethic and I've contributed, you know, the figuring out the content and everything. But the other side of that is there has to be somebody there to watch it and mm-hmm. somebody there for whom it means enough that they're they're willing to contribute there, you know. So I'm really lucky that I found an audience, I feel like. That's awesome. That's humbling, you know. Yeah. It's it you they put it out, they return it, you return the love back. Exactly. It's one 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 big relationship. It's a big cycle, a roboros. <laughs> yeah. We need you guys too. Exactly. Trust me, you're more important. <laughs> but cool. So uh, is there anything that you want to plug before we go? 
Oh my goodness. Um, yeah. So, uh, if folks out there would, uh, like to take part in these Thursday challenges, they should follow me on Instagram. I am at Drex Factor. Um, and if any of this seems interesting to you, please head on over to my YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash C slash Drex Factor, or you can just look up Drex Factor Poi on YouTube. And, uh, I have tutorials there for rote beginners. Um, if you have never touched a set of Poi before and have never been coordinated in your life, Congratulations, you're starting exactly the same place that I did. Hey. And if I can get here, you can get here. So, uh, yeah, check those out. And, um, yeah, I hope to connect with some of you guys one of these days. Thanks. Awesome, yeah. I'll link all of that in the bio, or most of it, the important links. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, they can check it out if they want. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, of course. And just let me say, if you have not seen Fire Spun Live, you need to see this. Absolutely. It'll change your life. Mm -hmm. So, guys, that's it. That's the angle. Peace. I, I gotta stop hitting record, but yeah, yeah. that was awesome, man. Fantastic, thank you. Ooh.